0: Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. It's great to be with you. My wife, Sandy, is with me, and I'm just so thankful for that. It's about the fourth or fifth time that we've uh, been to your church throughout uh, our career as missionaries, and we're just uh, excited to be back and worship with you. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy and Darcy. They're just such a wonderful couple. just so happy for you as a church that uh, they're leading you today. God bless you guys. Uh, Sandy and I served, uh, for 18 years in Europe. Uh, we're there through the fall of the Berlin Wall. Opened up, uh, Eastern Europe with the gospel from the perspective of the assemblies of God. And, uh, just, uh, experienced Acts 29 during those, uh, during those years. And now we serve 2,750 missionaries in 252 countries, territories of the world. And, uh, praise God. It's uh, pretty cool that uh, God is at work doing his work around the world through the Assemblies of God, and thank you for your part in missions, thank you for your faith, your prayers, and thank you for your giving. It's great to be with you and this uh, faith promise and uh, missions emphasis. Uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Look at your neighbor and say, "Nice feet." I am presuming that you're all good news bearers. Uh, it is estimated that, that in July twelve, uh, July of 2012, that the seventh billion person was born on the planet Earth. Now, back when the Assemblies of God was formed in 1914, there were only about 1.8 billion people that lived on the Earth. So there are about three times as many people now as there was just a hundred years ago. Now, the Holy Holy Spirit was outpoured at the turn of the 20th century, and that was a a real paradigm shift for Christianity, because up until that time, there wasn't a large representation of uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so when people received the baptism of the Spirit and spoke in other tongues and and, and tried to be in their churches, they were kicked out of their churches because the mainline churches really didn't understand what was going on. It was just this huge paradigm shift that God was doing throughout the beginning of the 20th century and actually throughout the whole 20th century. And uh, boy, it has made a huge impact in the world. If you were to look back and see what uh, Christianity was in 1914 or so, you would see that there were hardly any Pentecostals in in the world or Charismatics. But 100 years later, uh, Scott Thomas uh, in Foreign Affairs magazine estimates in an article uh, about God in Foreign Affairs that there are between 450 and 600 million Pentecostal Charismatics around the world. So in a 100-year span, God has done something absolutely amazing through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we go back and we look at what that 1.8 billion people were comprised of back in 1914, there was about 600 million Buddhists, Muslims, and Hindus. Now, there are about 1 billion Hindus, 1.6 billion Muslims, and about 700 million Buddhists. So the world has changed incredibly in regard to people that don't know who Jesus Christ is. 86% 86% of those people, 86% of those people have never met a person like you, a believer in Jesus Christ. They've never had access to a church, to a gospel message, to the Bible, to a radio program, to a television program. They have no idea if you were to say Jesus to them, who Jesus is. Now, quick quick survey this morning. How many of us have received forgiveness of our sins from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just kind of a hand. Now, forgive me for asking the second time, but how many have asked Jesus to forgive you two times? Three times? Yeah. Let's be honest with that. Let's spare, let's spare the agony of this multiple times. Sandy and I, my wife and I, were coming out of Mexico City a few years ago, And uh, we were uh, flying, and about 10 seconds into the flight, the motor on the right side of the airplane blew up, and the cabin filled with smoke, and the plane went... What were the first words out of my mouth? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. If that plane was going down, I wanted to go up. The point being, I have had an incredible privilege in life. I have gotten to see the gospel, I've gotten to hear the gospel, I've gotten to witness the gospel from people's lives, I've had the opportunity to have a Bible, any kind of Bible that I want in any language and any number of translations, whether electronic or whether paper, I've had all of those privileges and 3.2 billion people have never had that privilege. So you ask yourself this morning, why are we here and why is pastor and the board and why are we emphasizing missions? Because we have a responsibility. The questions that I ask myself when I think about 3.2 billion people is, how will they hear the message that Jesus Christ is the only son of God who was born of a virgin? That he lived a sinless life, performed signs, wonders, and miracles. That he sacrificed himself for the sins of mankind. My sins. That he was buried in, or that he was killed, that he was buried in a tomb, that he was resurrected from the dead, that he showed himself after his resurrection to over 500 people, that he commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that he ascended into heaven, that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, that he's interceding for you and me and praying for us and praying for this world, and one day he will return. How will they ever hear that message? I ask myself, how can their chains of drug abuse and alcoholism and addiction to pornography be broken? I ask myself, how will they experience the forgiveness of bitterness and jealousy and hatred, stealing and prejudice? How will they see their families reunited if they've been divorced and separated because of the pain of sin? How will they experience peace like a river and joy unspeakable and full of glory, How will they bear the burden of sin, the sin of rebellion, broken relationships, trampled self-image, and too many things that we could enumerate this morning that we don't even have time to mention here? How will they know if they never hear of the transforming message of Jesus Christ? Most importantly, how will they avoid an eternity devoid of God, burning in hell? Yes, there is a hell, separated from God tortured from memories and physical pain, unless they hear the life-giving message that Jesus can save them from their sins. The fact is, there is one mediator between man and God, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Now, I consider myself to be a very tolerant person, but when it comes to getting to heaven, there is one way. The scripture says, Jesus is the way. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Now, as we have read, Paul addressed the Romans in chapter 10. He said, lest people have this message, are sent, they won't hear. What implications does that have for us this morning? I think that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we as a church, we as individuals, we corporately have Uh, A responsibility. And may I use the word obligation? (coughs) Remember when we used to get mail in white envelopes? Remember that some of those envelopes had little windows in them because they were bills and you were obligated to pay? I'm not talking that kind of obligation. I'm talking about the obligation Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. He says, I am obligated. Notice the word. I am obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and foolish. we have any Greeks here? How about non-Greeks? Yeah, that would be us. How about wise and foolish? No, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. We have an obligation. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to them that believe, Jew first, and then to the rest of us. So I would submit, number one, we have a universal obligation to preach the gospel, and that is to send or be sent. To go or to send. In the 18th century, there was a church paradigm that existed of a parish paradigm. That is, when a church was founded, it was responsible for a certain geographical location, a county or a little village or a city, and that was their worldview. So all the people in the world who didn't have any understanding of what church was, or understanding of who Jesus was, they were just kind of left out in the darkness until a shoe salesman by the name of William Carey wrote a track. And the name of this track was An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of Heathen. Now the title would not be a bestseller today, but back then... It really shook up the church world, because what Carey brought their attention to was the fact that we have an obligation to preach the gospel. Fifty years later, here in North America, out of Massachusetts, a young man by the name of Adarayim Judson heard the call of God, wanted to go to India, was engaged, they got married, got on a boat. Went overseas, three months of travel on a boat to India, got to India, couldn't stay there, went to Burma, which is now modern-day Myanmar, went there and started giving his life. After 18 years, he only had 12 converts in Burma, but he learned the Burmese language. He was put in prison, he was tortured, he was persecuted, all kinds of stuff. But because he learned that Burmese language, he was able to translate the Bible into the Burmese language, and 200 years later, we're still using that Bible, and the church of Burma and Myanmar, modern-day Myanmar, is growing, and God is using it because he gave his life. He was sent, but he also went. He was our first North American missionary. His son... Now remember, he lived. He, he, he went, he married his first wife, had children, his first wife died. Married a second wife, had kids, his second wife died. Married a third time. I don't know if I was that third wife, I was thinking track record's not too good here. But that's my opinion. He, he lived a rough life, but here's what his son Edward said about him. Success and suffering are vitally and organically linked. If you succeed without suffering, it is because someone has suffered for you. And because of his suffering, we have a Bible in the Burmese language that we're using 200 years later. He went on to say, if you suffer without succeeding, it is in order that someone may succeed after you. So no matter where we are, if we're on the succeeding side or we're on the suffering side, God uses that for his kingdom. The obligation becomes more and more intense as we let Scripture sink into our spirit. The Lord is, sl- is not slow in keeping his promises, it says in Second Peter 3, 9. As some understand slowness, but as long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Young man from Cambodia was born during the killing fields time. Some of you remember Pol Pot, the dictator in Cambodia that absolutely destroyed his own people. They called it, there's a movie out and there's books about the killing fields. This young man was born into that environment. He was eight years old when this started happening. He was separated from his mom and dad. He was taken off, carried to the rice plantations in the north of the country, worked from dawn till dusk, got a little bowl of rice and a little bit of water, slept on the ground and was in the rice fields all day, beaten by overseers. By the time he was 12 years old, he couldn't take it anymore. He says, I've got to... I've got to escape. So he runs through the jungle, gets down to Bangkok somehow, survives the jungle. While he's in Bangkok, he goes into a UN refugee camp. And there, an American couple from the United States wants to adopt a young Cambodian boy, and they choose Darth. Darth comes back. He comes back to the United States, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. That couple is an Assemblies of God couple, and so for the first time in his life, this little Buddhist boy who has endured all this kind of torture hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, gives his heart to Jesus, baptized in the Holy Spirit, called into ministry, goes to North Central University. Just about at that time, there happens to be one other Cambodian at North Central, and that Cambodian is a she. Yes, they got married. Yes, they had children. Yes, they were in ministry. When Cambodia opened up for the gospel, he was called and said, would you come and share the gospel? He says, I don't know if I can come back. All the memories are very, very difficult to handle. But he went back for two weeks because that missionary who was there building a platform to bring missionaries in, a platform, a philosophical platform, a business platform to bring people in because the government wouldn't allow missionaries in there. He goes back for two weeks. He comes back from that trip. Before he can say a word to his wife, he says, Darth, I know, God has called us to go back to Cambodia. That couple is serving in Cambodia with the Assemblies of God in northern Cambodia now with all of the heartache and the pain of their past, but with the universal obligation that they are there to share the gospel. They're there because they were sent. People, individuals, and churches like your church said, we believe in Darth. And because of that, all of northern Cambodia in tribes and villages are getting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a universal obligation. But secondly, we have a unique obligation as well. We are in the Pentecostal stream of Christianity. And Pentecostals are unique in the sense that we have received power from on high. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Chapter uh, 1, verse 4 and 5 reads, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift that the Father has promised, which you heard me speak about, for John baptized you with water, but in the days following you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Former director of Latin America and the Caribbean, I know you guys take trips to El Salvador, that's awesome. One of the former directors said this, The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. Pioneer missionary to the Muslims back in the 19th century was a man by the name of Henry Martin. He was a lawyer. <coughs> graduated at Cambridge and had a had a, had a a fiancé as well, but he had this call to go to India and he asked his fiancé to come. She said no. He went anyhow because the call was so strong. He learned the Hindustani language, translated the Bible into Hindustani, contacted a disease like tuberculosis and couldn't hardly there anymore. But he had this prayer when he went there. And he says, God, let me burn out for you. Let me burn out for you. Because he couldn't live in India anymore, he went over to Iran. And there he learned the Farsi language. Now, this guy must have been brilliant. Hindustani and Farsi are very difficult languages. He learns the Farsi language because he got into dialogue with Muslim clerics. And he found out there was no Bible, no recent Bible. So he translated the Bible into the Farsi language as well. And literally, after he had contacted a fever, he burned up for God. What is the driving force? Is it just a humanitarian thing? We heard this morning about the human right. What is the human right? We believe the human right is that everybody has the right, the right, the privilege, the right, the opportunity to hear that Jesus can save them from their sin. We can't force anybody to be a believer. It's not about that. It's about the opportunity at least to hear. And with 3.2 billion people, 86% that have never heard, they have a right to hear. Third, we have an utmost obligation. Maybe some of you uh, read uh, some devotionals. But let me quote first 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 it says though I am free and belong to no one I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible that's the apostle Paul speaking and I couldn't help but sing or, or think when we sang that song that where you where you where you'll go I'll go yeah where you'll go I'll go where you love whom you love I'll love where you serve I'll serve and I thought to myself Lord have mercy that is my obligation, that I give up my rights, my right, because of what Christ has done for me. And like the Apostle Paul, I can say, hey, I've become a Jew to those who are Jew. i become a Greek to those who are Greek, a barbarian to those who are barbarian, so that they can hear. I, in other words, I adapt my message, I adapt to understand, I learn the context, and I put it in their language so that they can understand. That's like some of our neighbors don't understand Christianese. They don't understand the blood of Jesus Christ can wash you from your sins. In fact, maybe some of us don't. But we understand the concept that our sins have been forgiven, and so we translate that into a language, even with our neighbors. We have an utmost obligation. I, uh, I'm i a child of the 60s. Anybody remember the 60s? 1960, that is, not 18. 19. Anybody remember the 60s? Yeah, a couple of you. I had a friend that said, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. And those of you who don't understand, you can ask me later. In that 60s uh, generation, there was this song, Christian song, of course. Dear Lord, I'll be a witness if you will help my weakness. I know that I'm not worthy, Lord, of you. By eyes of faith, I see thee upon the cross of Calvary. Dear Lord, I cry, let me thy servant be. Then verse 2 says, I'll stand for thee, dear Jesus. Though death may come my way, I'll spread the gospel to the fallen here. But if thou bid me to go across the sea, Lord, help me be willing to say yes. Jesus, use me, and oh Lord, don't refuse me, for surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. And though the cost be great, I'll work for you. That's our utmost obligation when we surrender ourselves to him fresh vision comes it's amazing what surrender will do to jesus our surrender to him means fresh passion because we get the eyes and we get the heartbeat of jesus when we give up ourselves surrendering to his will means fresh empowerment empowerment to share the gospel and we see the world through different set of lenses we become his witnesses Andy Rotz, one of our missionaries, said this, Christ has called us to reach the inconveniently lost and go to inhospitable destinations and unwelcoming populations. Missions is not simply sharing Christ with a neighbor or co-worker, that's evangelism, daily witness of our faith and responsibility of each believer. Instead, missions is purposely crossing the chasms of geography, culture, and language to share Christ to those who have never heard. We have an obligation to send or be sent. The last thing I would like to share with us this morning is we have an urgent obligation, an urgent obligation to send or be sent. John chapter 9, verse 4 says, As long as it is this day, we must do the works of him who sent me, for night is coming when no man can work. Pentecostals since the early of the 20th century have had this sense of an urgent obligation. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, our early Pentecostal pioneers back in the early 1900s, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurred and they received the gift of speaking in other tongues, they interpreted that as that they could go to foreign countries and speak that language and people would understand them. Unfortunately, they were wrong, because that is a heavenly language in most cases. And so they had to get into language learning. But it didn't take away the empowerment they had, and the desire, and the drive, and the passion that they had to share the gospel. And because of that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there was this urgent eschatology, and that is that we believe Christ is coming back. In fact, the Apostle Paul would say, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. And As we look at scriptures and you look at prophecy of scriptures, you realize that there are different indicators of Christ coming back, Israel becoming a nation, wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, all of these kinds of things that kind of multiply. But one of the greatest signs that Jesus Christ is coming soon is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why? Joel says, the book of Joel, and Acts says, in the last days I will pour out of my spirit. In 1900, there were less than 0.1% of Pentecostals in the world. In 1920, there was about 1%. In 1940, 2%. In 1965, 5%. In 1980, 12%. In the year 2000, percent of all the Christians in the world are Pentecostal charismatic Brothers and sisters, that is an incredible sign that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Never in history has there been an outpouring like this, when we see the growth of Christianity and a Pentecostal stream of Christianity, we have to look up and say, "Our redemption draws nigh." So what's the Spirit speaking or saying to us? What's he saying to us as a church? What's he saying to us as individuals? What is he speaking to us personally? We understand God speaks to nations, 1989, when the Berlin Wall fell. You can put all of the socioeconomic political spins on it you want. God said it's time for the Soviet Union and the former Eastern Bloc to be open so that they could hear the gospel. Now, a sociologist from Penn State University by the name of Jenkins was asked, what is the historic purpose of communism? And this is what he said. If you ever wondered what the historic purpose of communism was, it was to build buildings large enough to house Pentecostal congregations. Brothers and sisters, there's a move of God going around the world. The Spirit is being outpoured in unprecedented ways. We, in this body, have an opportunity, through faith promise, to send. We also have the opportunity to be sent. What is God doing and working in our hearts? We have a universal obligation. We have a unique obligation. We have an utmost obligation. And we have an urgent obligation. An obligation not like the little window in the envelope, but an obligation like the Apostle Paul. Because I have been loved, because I have been saved, because I have been cared for, because Jesus has taken care of me, because He's given me new life, because He's restored a marriage, because He's healed my body, for whatever one million reasons, because I'm staying today, because I'm here today, I have the opportunity, I have an obligation, not out of debt, but out of love, to either send or be sent. Lord, I thank You for this congregation and their history. Thank You... Lord, for pastor and the board, and thank you for every leader. Thank you for the youth group and the human right. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing here. You've done amazing things. But God, as we look toward the lost, we don't don't see only what we've done. We see what there is to do. And Lord, there's a tremendous unfinished task. And I pray in the name of Jesus, as, as this local congregation, as families, as individuals, seek your face and Figure out in, in, in their heart what, your, what the obligation is for them. Lord, I pray it is as a love obligation that we would give, that we would share our testimony, that we would share our lives, that we would go on short-term trips, or we would be sent even as full-time missionaries because, Lord, we love you. You've done so much for us, and we want to share that. I ask this all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.